Hey Queens, it's Ro. Just dropping a note before this episode starts that we're hosting an Ask Me Anything on the website, www.thefemaledatingstrategy.com with our guest today, the future Her Hacks podcast hosts and current cybersecurity researchers, Christine and Rebecca. So navigate to our website to check that out on thefemaledatingstrategy.com. I'll leave a link in the show notes to the actual thread. And as always, if you'd like to hear bonus content, go to our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash thefemaledatingstrategy, where you can find over 60 plus episodes of bonus content, extra long interviews with our major guests, media roast, exclusive strategy content, commentary on current events, including our Discord, where we host our twice monthly live chat called War Room, where we discuss in a group how to fix your life. You can also submit a roast discroat, a dating question, or if you're a man who's a fan of the podcast, you can submit your own dating question or FDS challenge via our scroats strike back tier on the Patreon. So check that out. Once again, patreon.com forward slash the female dating strategy and enjoy this episode. What's up, queens? Welcome to the Female Dating Strategy Podcast, the meanest female-only podcast on the internet. I'm Ro. I'm Ella. And Savannah's still out today. But we do have some very special guests, Christine and Rebecca from the Her Hacks Podcast. Christine and Rebecca, how are you doing? Pretty good. Really good. So tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Because, you know, when you first reached out to this and pitched the episode idea, we were really excited about it because it sounded extremely fascinating. And it is right up our alley when it comes to general (laughs) security for women, when it comes to interacting online. And you had a lot of commentary on some of the specific posts and questions that people had on the subreddit. So we thought this would be a great opportunity to get those answered. Yeah. Christine, if you don't mind, I can kind of go into a little more detail. So Her Hacks podcast in general is an up and coming podcast created by women in cybersecurity, like me and Christine. Christine is a mobile security researcher. I'm like a cloud security researcher. And it's the whole concept of it is that it's created by women, but it's for everyone. And it's founded by us. And we're really passionate you know, about the field of cybersecurity. And we want to spread the word about everything cyber. So our podcast is going to cover a range of topics from the history of women in cryptography, modern day workplace tips, expert interviews with badass women in the field, and also how to get started in cyber. We also want to do some like technical conversations. So like how to stay safe online or pwn your way to the top of a CTF scoreboard. So like wherever your skill set or interest is, perhaps podcast is kind of there to help. I need to define one term already. What's CTF (laughs) scoreboard? I know pwn. I know pwn. I'm plugged into the internet that much to understand pwning. But what is a a CTF scoreboard? Yeah, you got the phone. So CTFs are like, it's capture the flag, but it's like a virtual capture the flag. And there are like two different ways they're typically run. So there's like a Jeopardy style CTF where people create like different challenges and puzzles. So like reverse engineering challenges or like packet capture analysis challenges or like web security challenges where you kind of have to like hack a site to get like flags. And then there's another style where it's like attack and defense, where you have like a bunch of people protecting and defending like servers, like doing basic like hardening and stuff. And then you'll have like a red team, which are like the bad cyber people or like the attackers that will try to take down your services or whatever. I've actually played, there's like a really big, I guess like hacker convention called DEF CON and it's in Las Vegas every year. And I was on a capture the flag team that played at DEF CON a few years ago. And that attack defend one is actually pretty interesting because you're doing red team and blue team attack defense for yourselves. So it's you all trying to hack into each other's services and also patch your own services. And it goes for like the whole weekend. Wow. So is it more of like a game that hackers play?
play or, or people who are in cybersecurity play? Is it like a... It's like a war game? Yeah, like a war game. It's like a hacking competition, kind of. So the Jeopardy style ones, you're trying to hack those specific services. So like they'll give you a web page and they'll say, hey, like find the bug in this web page. And they might give you a hint on something that is like a recent bug that came out. Sometimes it is like Rebecca explained, there's different categories to the challenges. So for all of the Jeopardy style ones, it's almost just like you're doing all these like coding problems and you're trying to figure out and like solve each problem and get the quote flag. But for attack defend, normally like you have to host the services yourself and then people have to solve those same problems but it's also on your box and they usually have flags that change like over the course of time so people will they call exfiltration they'll exfiltrate your flags steal your flags but they have to keep doing it over and over again because the flags are always changing so that one's like it's just a little more complicated but yeah it's kind of like a hacking game i guess where you're hacking into each other and trying to prevent yourself from getting hacked into yeah that's really interesting it's cool we have sort of related like one of the first groups that was made on the website was like a gamer girls website. So I don't know how much of them are involved in, I think they're more doing formalized games. I don't know how much of them are involved in any of these types of like uh, cybersecurity games, but this might be of interest to that audience. Yeah. Or cultivate a whole new one. Yeah. Gaming definitely is like a huge entry point into cybersecurity. We actually have a friend who works on like Netflix games and they're Netflix games, but like cybersecurity for Netflix gaming. And they worked in like cyber at like Epic or one of those other companies. So it's definitely a huge component to that. Or Bungie or something. Interesting. So to get back to the topic at hand, you originally reached out to us about AirTags, a post that people had made about AirTags. Can you tell us a little bit about the post and then what made you respond? Absolutely. Actually, I I can go into this. Yeah, I think Rebecca, you should go into the story that we are actually FDS listeners. Yeah. So yeah, Christine and I started listening to the FDS podcast like back in, I think, early January of this year. And it was from your podcast that I discovered your subreddit. I was an avid lurker at the time. That is so interesting. So we have been focused on trying to figure out if we could expand like our podcast reach and people that find us who are just really into podcasts versus people who found us on the subreddit. So it's interesting that you guys are, are one of the people that found us through like a podcast, like interest in podcasts other than just the subreddit. Yeah. And I think I was like doom scrolling the FDS subreddit like late on a Sunday night, maybe fighting off those Sunday scaries. And I came across the post. It was um, Apple AirTags, a perfect tool for stalking. And the post detailed this article that was shared regarding a woman who got like this disturbing notification on her phone after um, I think a late night at the bar or a date that she just like left. And it was like, said like, you know, AirTag found moving with you. The location of this AirTag can be seen by the owner. And it was pretty creepy. And if you've never seen this before, or you have no idea what an AirTag is, you know, some people might just ignore this notification or they might completely like panic from seeing something like this. Like, what is this? This is really creepy. And so I like flipped when I saw this post because I know Christine has been working on a research paper on this very topic. And so I was like, no one would be more qualified than Christine to not only explain what is going on, but also to kind of bust some of the myths and soothe some of the anxiety of what I was seeing in like the comments from the post. Yeah. So like to kind of sidebar, I am part of a research team that actively does Apple research. Specifically, we've published papers on, it's called continuity 
continuity, which is Apple's proprietary Bluetooth protocol. So we've been tracking AirTags probably a year before they came out because they run on the Find My Network, which is an ecosystem of Apple devices. So before AirTags were even released by Apple, Apple actually had instituted this Find My Network, um, which also runs on the Bluetooth continuity protocol. So the goal of creating Find My was so that you could find your phone, especially like if you lose your phone. And that was why they originally instituted it. But then they created the AirTags, which are these tokens that allow you to find items that you've lost. The thing that differentiates Find My is that it's a crowdsourcing tool to let you geolocate only using Bluetooth. So AirTags themselves aren't connected to the internet. There's not like a GPS chip in there. It's literally just using Bluetooth to geolocate. And then it's crowdsourcing from iDevices in the iOS ecosystem. So they will communicate over Bluetooth to other devices to kind of geolocate via this crowdsourcing mechanism. That's interesting. So I think a lot of people assume it's some kind of like GPS satellite tracking, almost right. like how bats do, where it's just like echolocation off of other Apple devices to find where your device is, where you are, I guess, if you have your device on you. So how does that change the security mechanisms like versus like a GPS tracker? Basically, when Rebecca saw the post and she sent it to me, she was like, hey, you should check this out and maybe like write something on this because I was reading the comments about like protecting yourself from air tags. And I was like, wait, a lot of these are wrong. And I think it's because people don't understand how it works. And I actually wanted to like write a post on the Reddit, but I didn't have a flair. <laughs> yeah, I think most of us assume it's magic. We're like, yeah, magic. <laughs> yeah. And, well, and then I was like, oh my gosh, how can I explain this? Like, so people can understand. And then I like didn't have a flair. So I like wrote out this really long post and then like... It was beautiful. Yeah. And I was like, Rebecca, what do you think? And then like, it's great. Let's send it. Yeah. And then I didn't have a flair because I was like... It was immediately removed when she posted it. We're lurkers. We're just, you know, long time lurkers. <laughs> Once again, another reason why we wanted to move off of Reddit is because of the fact that it was so hard. First of all, get quality posters and then have the bandwidth of people reviewing posts to get the quality stuff posted. So yeah, it just got out of hand. So man, I would totally love to see that. I'm so sorry your post did not get approved. I apologize. <laughs> Yeah, because that sounds massively interesting and like something that people would want to know about, but it's so hard on Reddit. And then the other thing too is like you type all that stuff up and then it's just on Reddit. Whereas I feel like if we have it on this on our website, we can like distribute it like through newsletters, people can see your writing, etc. So exactly. Yeah. Even like, oh, we could like host a Twitter AMA or like for your Discord or Patreon or something in case people listen to this episode and they're like, okay, I'm still confused because I understand like it is really complicated. So I was reverse engineering this Bluetooth protocol. And it was interesting to figure out how they implemented it. So I think Apple kind of copied Tile when they did this, because if you ever heard of like the Tile trackers, Tiles were also like Bluetooth only. And the way that that would work is like if you had a phone with the Tile app and you opened the Tile app, then your phone would be like, oh, I got a Bluetooth message from like a nearby Tile. And then it would record something like the Tile database. And then somebody who owns that Tile could pull that information down from the Tile database because your nearby phone reported that to Tile. And that's exactly how AirTags work. So you'll have an AirTag token and 
all of the nearby phones are receiving these Bluetooth messages and they're like, oh yeah, there's an AirTag over here. There's an AirTag over here. And they're just reporting back to Apple saying, hey, my location is here, this latitude, longitude, and I saw this AirTag. And then they just send it to Apple. And so the owner of that AirTag can then query Apple and say, hey, where's my AirTag? And then if there's a location report in Apple's database, they'll be able to see that location. So it's only the only person who could see your location would be Apple. Like it'd be next to impossible for someone else on the network to retrieve the information as to where your specific tag is. Right. And everything is completely encrypted. So even Apple actually can't access that information. Um, Apple tries to do it completely in anonymously. They claim they don't know who the reporting devices are. So like my phone reports your AirTags location. They don't know it's me. They don't know it's you. Only you can actually pull down that information because you have a decryption key to decrypt that encrypted message. I have seen a bunch of commercials for Apple lately where they've been really, really highlighting the extent of their data security. It's hard because I know that trying to explain this to maybe like the average person, they're like not exactly sure how it works, but it's nice to know that they've actually thought out how people use their device and then how they can make sure that there's data security from end to end. Yeah, I think like our first paper was pointing out a kind of a flaw in this because Apple is really well-intentioned, but sometimes they create issues. So our research team and then another research team actually figured out that this Find My protocol because it's so anonymous and it's supposed to make it so that, you know, the finder devices aren't giving any information and the lost devices aren't giving any private information that anybody can actually make their own custom AirTag and put it on the Find My Network and leverage that anonymous reporting, which is actually bad because we published a research paper last year showing that you can circumvent all of these notifications that Apple is giving by making your own AirTag. And we were like, okay, Apple needs to fix this protocol because I can just make my own AirTag. And even though Apple is using, they call it the anti-tracking framework, even though they created this anti-tracking framework to detect malicious trackers that somebody might put in your purse, like an AirTag, they won't detect my AirTag. That's like my custom one that I wrote my own algorithm for that's riding this find my network. So that was like pretty scary. So what's the risk there? So if someone makes their own AirTag and it pings the Apple's database? Is it the fear that they would make an AirTag that mimics someone's that already exists and pull data that's not theirs? No. So the problem is that Apple, like people have been getting these anti-tracking pop-ups saying like, oh, there's an AirTag traveling with you. Mm -hmm. The fear is that using a custom AirTag, they wouldn't get that alert at all. And so I would be able to track their location without them even getting an alert. How would you get their data with your own? I guess I'm trying to figure out like, how does the person who has like the fake... uh, self-created AirTag then get someone else's data from Apple. Oh yeah. So it's my AirTag, like I'm getting that data. So I guess the way I can explain this is if I was like a screw and I wanted to follow you, <laughs> let's say I, I put a, an AirTag in your purse at a bar. Then every time I log into Find My, I can see where you are at that moment. 
Oh, okay. So they basically, they could put it on your person. Exactly. And then like track you in a way that you wouldn't know. That makes sense. Exactly. Yeah. So the thing with air tags is that I can't pull down a history of locations. So like if you go to a bar and then you go to like CVS and then you go like to your friend's house and then you go home, unless I'm like constantly staring at find my like refreshing, I won't see each individual location. And so I would have to like record that as a psycho stalker. But with the custom air tags, because we reverse engineered how Apple does the location reporting, we actually figured out a mechanism where you can pull down timestamp latitude longitudes. So a really bad person could put their custom air tag, which is like an air tag that they made themselves in your bag. And then they could pull down those location reports and they would have like time stamped information. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's why we reported to Apple and we're like, you know, this is really irresponsible of Apple to kind of create this network that like somebody who is an engineer can figure out how to leverage this for malicious purposes. So yeah, we definitely are hoping our next paper that's upcoming are actually, it's a recommendation to Apple suggesting to them how they can fix it so that people can't just like randomly add their own fake malicious trackers onto the Find My Network. So it's hopefully giving them a way that they can lock it down so that if I was a bad person, I couldn't just make my own fake AirTag. I would imagine you could also do this if they gave you a real AirTag, right? Like if I recall correctly, I think I've even seen this probably on Inside Edition or something where like either a husband, I think it was like a malicious husband, just like stuck his phone or something like that or some kind of iPod device in his wife's car to like see where she was going. Mm -hmm. So it's like, even if they were to, I think, get rid of all the fake ones, like what would be, what's, what's stopping from someone from using a real one and doing the same thing? Yeah, really, I think the anti-tracking framework, which leaves a lot to be desired still. So I have reverse engineered and done testing with the anti-tracking framework. And the issue with the notifications that people are getting on their phone from Apple is that it just takes too long still. So originally, I think iOS 14.5.1 was the first version of iOS that was compatible with AirTags. So at that point, that was the first version that had the like location tracking and Apple had written the anti-tracking framework so that it would take 24 hours for you to get any kind of notification, which is really bad because that means that somebody could be have an air tag in your bag following around for a whole day and you would just have no idea. When iOS 15 came out, they tried to shorten that time period. So it still takes a couple hours because it just depends on like the frequency of the reports. But one of the biggest drawbacks is it doesn't usually get triggered unless you move greater than a mile in distance. Yeah. And I noticed that because I've lost my phone a few times. My my dog sometimes goes crazy on the leash and it's just knocked my phone out of my pocket. Mine too. And I've realized that like, oh, this isn't that exact of a location. It could be anywhere within a mile of where I lost my phone. Yeah, exactly. Because it's always like, it's who is nearby. So like you might be seeing a location report because if nobody in the area has iPhones as an example and you lose your iPhone only iPhones are like reporting that location so you'd have it's like the last time that a person with an iPhone like walked by you 
So it can sometimes be really inaccurate. And yeah, it's been like a mile. Like Rebecca and I were doing some testing and we were like, yeah, it literally didn't say anything, even though like imagine it going for like a night out and you bar hop. It's like every single bar that you go to, you probably won't get the notifications until you go home. And if it's bars like near you, then you probably won't get it till you've been home for like an hour. So yeah, it's definitely pretty scary and frustrating. So it's kind of on Apple to adjust the algorithm to make it a little bit better. So what were your proposed solutions? Well, we had a a couple. um, So maybe it'd be good if we could talk about some of the myths. Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah, for sure. That people had because there were some online proposed solutions in like the FDS Reddit comments and TikToks. Yeah, all the TikToks. And there's a lot of things that were just kind of wrong. So we want to say what's wrong and then tell people what's right. Yeah. Like we even saw a TikTok where someone went over like the map pop up on your phone that you see. So like when you see that map pop up on your phone, there are red dots. And someone said that, oh, the red dots are showing when the owner of the AirTag has checked your location. Yeah, I literally, I saw that and I was like, that's actually not true because like I said before, like the AirTag doesn't have internet. It doesn't have a GPS device in it. It's not like a mini computer. So there's no way for the owner to directly connect to the AirTag. The only time your phone directly connects to the AirTag is when you're doing the pairing process. So all of those red dots are actually just part of the anti-tracking framework and the red dots indicate a significant location. So So when you're walking places and it's kind of like when you're in the same location for 30 minutes or longer, Apple will say, oh, this is a significant location. And here's all of the Bluetooth messages we've received from AirTags nearby us. And they just save it, but they don't do anything with it. So imagine like bar hopping, you go to one bar, you're there for 30 minutes Next bar, you're there for 30 minutes. Maybe you want to go to like, I don't know, Walgreens. And then you're there for like 30 minutes. All of those would be listed as significant locations. But if you're all within one mile radius, you won't actually get the pop-up. So then when you finally get home and you get the pop-up of, oh, there's an AirTag found moving with you, you'll see all of those different dots on the map. But that's just because Apple has been tracking it in the background. That's not telling you that somebody queried the location of that air tag. The thing that is a little bit nerve wracking is you don't know because it's all anonymous and private. Like if I own an air tag and I open the find my app and I'm like, oh, where's my backpack or where's my wallet? There's no way for anybody else to know how many times I've clicked that. So if you do get one of these pop-ups, you should assume that all of the places you have been, they may have opened up their find my app and they may have checked and they may know that you were there at that time. So they don't have like a live view of like, oh, this is all the places that you've been, if that makes sense. So Apple would know where you were. So Apple also wouldn't know only if you open the find my app at that time. So like if I was a stalker and I was stalking you all night and I was sitting on my phone, like refresh, 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 I would know every single dot that you've been to Mm -hmm. because your phone is seeing an AirTag at that place. So I would also have all of those locations, but I would actively have to be checking at all times. Like, let's say I'm a stalker and then I am stalking a bunch of people and I forgot about you. And then I went to check like three hours later when I opened the Find My app, I would only see like where you currently are. Okay. Yeah. So it doesn't record where you've been. What about the, like the custom or like self-made air tags? Would those record where you've been? Cause I think you mentioned that some of those can, that's completely would be different software than what's currently out there. 
Yeah, so I definitely, like, and sometimes if they don't program them correctly, they do trigger, like, the anti-tracking alerts, which is good, like, on Apple for doing that. But yeah, I mean, not to, like, freak people out, but it is a possibility for somebody to make a custom tracker and pull down all of the location reports and for you, like, not to know about it and for them to have timestamps of when you were at a specific location. Oof. Yeah, it's kind of disturbing. Another comment that we would see, like some kind of mitigation tactic, was some people were advising, you know, just turn off your Bluetooth. Oh, yeah. This was also like, I was like, oh my God, no, like, don't do that. Because the problem is it's not necessarily your phone, it's all of the phones around you, specifically iPhones that are crowdsourcing your location. So like, let's say you did turn off your Bluetooth. Well, when you go into a bar, all of the people with iPhones in the bar, their phones are automatically reporting these locations. So I would still be able to track you in that bar. And then if you go to another bar, as long as people have iPhones, I would still be able to track you. And then let's say you live in an apartment building or you live with other people and they have iPhones. When you get home, all of your neighbor's phones or your family's phones will also be reporting. So turning off your own personal Bluetooth is not a good idea. And it's actually detrimental to you because if you turn off Bluetooth, that means that your iPhone is not detecting anything around you. So then you actually won't get those anti-tracking alerts. No notifications. Exactly. Oh, that's interesting. So it's almost the exact opposite of the the advice they're giving. Yeah. So you want it to be on, like if your phone's on, you have it in your possession. You want it to be on because you want to be able to be alerted if someone's trying to track you. And if you turn off your Bluetooth, you will no longer be able to get those alerts. So the person who is trying to track you will still be able to see where you are. Exactly. Yeah. With their AirTag, but you won't be able to see that you're being tracked. Exactly. And that was like the biggest reason where I was like, we have to like talk to FDS and correct these misconceptions (laughs) because people are like, there are all these comments where like, just turn off your Bluetooth. And I was like, no, like, Mm -hmm. don't do that. Yeah. Or another one where it's like, oh, just throw it in the trash or, you know, put it in a washing machine or (laughs) smack it with a hammer or something like that. Yeah. So this actually is also like all really bad, like misconceptions. So if you find a tracker on you and you just like throw it away, that's like if you find like a bug in your house and you throw that away in the trash, but you didn't like kill it or anything. Like if you throw a cockroach in the trash, it's going to like come out. (laughs) So if you throw the air tag in the trash, we have experience with this. <laughs> if all of you throw, if you throw the air tag in the trash, like, and you have an iPhone, your location will still be recorded and still be reported. So they'll still see your location. Or again, like if you have neighbors or family members, like throwing in the trash, don't do that. That's no, but also destroying it is also bad because that's evidence and you need to give that to the police. And there is a way to read this serial number off the device. If you hold the AirTag next to your phone, it will have a web page pop up that gives you the serial number of the AirTag and also the last four digits of the phone number that's registered to the AirTag. Really good information for the police. And then they can work with Apple to find out who owns that AirTag. So if you destroy it, you're like destroying the evidence because that's like really the only information you have to find out who's stalking you. Mm-hmm. So definitely don't do that. And then also, Apple kind of gives bad advice because they're like, oh, if you find this AirTag, disable it. And then there's like a little pop up on your phone and the instructions to disable it are just taking the battery out. So I don't recommend doing this. I actually recommend 
going to a police station and calling the police and only disabling it once you're at the police station. Because if you take the battery out or destroy the AirTag, let's say you did that, that person won't be getting live updates from the AirTag. But inside their Find My app, it will say like this AirTag was last seen at this time at this location. So if you destroy it at your house, then it will be like, oh, Ro destroyed this like Ro was last seen at her house at like midnight. And then they'll have in their thing like this is where you were at midnight and they'll just have that address. So you don't want to destroy it or disable like take the battery out in your house because then that's always in their thing. Can we leave them on a fantastical treasure hunt? Just like... <laughs> no, I personally recommend going to your ex-boyfriend's house and destroying it there, but that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or giving it to the cops. <laughs> yeah, one or the other. Depends on how you're feeling. Imagine they show up to stalk you and they show up at the police station and they're like, oh shit. <laughs> volunteer to get arrested (laughs) what you could do is this is really devious you go to your ex's house take the battery out and then that location is what's time stamped in find my and then you go to the police station we obviously have some pretty troubled pasts if that wasn't apparent i like the ability to overcome adversity with diabolicalness so i admire that Oh yeah, when I played DEFCON Capture the Flag, I was team evil. That's what I was in charge of because we had to think of creative ways to not get hacked into or when people hacked into us, think that they were hacking something that actually wasn't very important. So that was my job. Nice, nice, sneaky. Yeah, I wanted to know more about like when it's used for stalking, I wanted to know more basically about like how is it actually used for stalking? Like, you know, we've talked so far about from the perspective of the person being stalked, but I like to get inside the mind of these, like, you know, psycho stalkers kind of thing. Like, and so what is it like from their perspective, basically using it? And like, tell me more about some things that some ways that it's like used for stalking and like how women can like protect themselves from that. Yeah. So I think it's definitely being used by people who are trying to hurt women in some way, whether it's like human trafficking or sexual assault. I definitely think that there's women who have reported finding air tags. There was a girl who was with her family at Disney World and she was like maybe like 15 or 16 and they got the notification. So that's really scary. There was a Sports Illustrated model. I think her name was Brooks Nader and she was being stalked by somebody. So yeah, it's definitely anybody stalking somebody is obviously has, you know, something wrong and that's up to no good. One of our biggest reasons for wanting to do this research is actually intimate partner violence, because if you have a partner who wants to track you, you might not actually get some of those anti-tracking notifications because the AirTag goes into different modes depending on if the person who's the owner is near you or not. So like if I was trying to track my partner, I could put it in their purse and then When we're home together, there wouldn't be any notification on their part because it's like we're home and I'm with the AirTag. Then if they went out to like the store, I would know all of the places that they're going and they might not necessarily get a notification. So that's why when we had originally reported to Apple, we were like, you have to give people reports more than in 24 hour increments because every time somebody leaves the house and comes home, it would reset that 24 hour cycle. So that's like one of the biggest reasons why I think Apple adjusted their algorithm to make it so that it gives reports sooner. So now instead of like somebody leaving their house, coming home every night and it resetting that 24 hour clock and never getting anti-track, 
tracking notifications. Now, if they are out for like a couple hours running errands, they will likely get a notification on their phone. So that person can't track you without you knowing for long periods of time, like they would have been if you were only getting it every 24 hours. Exactly. And so that's why one of the biggest tips I have for people, keep your phone up to date. You want to have the latest and greatest version of iOS because the original version was so bad with AirTags. So like, don't ignore those updates. Maybe like you hate the new UI or something, but I think that's really not important when it comes to like personal safety. So always keep your phone up to date. And anytime a new version comes out, it's really important to try to get that as soon as possible. Yeah. Another thing really quickly, I don't know if we've, we've covered this yet, but So what happens, Christine, when you don't have an iPhone? So if I don't have an iPhone, how do I get these notifications? Oh, yeah. So I think there's like two really big misconceptions here that we saw. So one was, oh, I don't have an iPhone, so I don't have to worry about this. And again, like we said, it's crowdsourced. So you not having an iPhone doesn't mean that somebody can't track you with an AirTag because anybody in the bar has an iPhone or your neighbors or your family has iPhone. Your location will be tracked whether or not you have an iPhone, whether or not your Bluetooth is on. The flip side of that is people have been saying, I don't have an iPhone, so I'm screwed. There's no way for me to get these tracking notifications. And we do have two solutions for women. One I think is better than the other. The first solution is AirGuard. And this was created by some of like kind of counterpart researchers at TU Darmstadt in Germany. It's the CMU Research Lab. And this guy, Alex, who's done a lot of iOS research, has created an app called AirGuard that is open source, but it's also in the App Store. And so anybody who has an Android phone can download this. So Apple also created an anti-tracking app called Tracker Detect that's also free in the App Store. So again, if you see any other apps, like I've seen some fake ones that charge money that claim to track AirTags, you don't want those. Like it's always free. So AirGuard and Tracker Detect. One of the issues with Tracker Detect is it doesn't work on older devices. So I have a couple of Android phones that I tested on and like older phones, it wasn't even available in the app store. So they were just like too off-brand or too old versions or something and it couldn't even find the app. And then one thing that I think is kind of unsafe is Tracker Detect. If it detects an AirTag that is quote following you or near you, you have to wait 10 minutes before you can make it play a sound. So this is frustrating because if you do get a notification, the first thing you want to do is try and find like where that AirTag is. Like, is it in your purse? Is it in your pocket? Like, where is it? Is it in your car? And if you have to wait 10 minutes, like that could be like dramatic, like life or death. So like, I wouldn't want to wait 10 minutes before I can try and find it by playing a sound. So AirGuard doesn't have any limitation. So you can just, if you detect an AirTag nearby, you can attempt to make it play a sound. So that's really helpful. It also has a really great like manual scan capability. So even though it has like a tracking mechanism that will just run in the background, pretty similar to Apple's notifications, I think AirGuard is actually even better than like Apple's app because I can't press a button on my iPhone currently and say, hey, find all of the Bluetooth devices near me, but AirGuard actually can do that. And it also tracks other types of Bluetooth devices. So AirGuard will track like those custom AirTags that people try to make. It will show tiles like we saw Rebecca's neighbor had a tile. Yeah, I found a couple of them. Apparently. (laughs) Yeah. So it's pretty great. 
I actually got tiles for a Christmas gift. Oh, wow. From my boss, <laughs> which I thought was a really like nice and useful and thoughtful gift. I'm like, yes, I'm a person that likes these because I just lose things. But yeah, I didn't know any of this like cybersecurity information when I got it. So now I'm like, okay, well, now I'm going to have to go back and retrace my steps and start to make <laughs> sure that I have all these trackers in place so I can know, know in the future if anybody's trying to track me. Well, Tile is good. I feel like when they first came out, because they came out so long ago, I want to say like almost 10 years ago or even earlier, but like, I think they kind of fell flat because they didn't have that ecosystem yet. Like you only could do this crowdsourcing with other people that had the Tile app. And at that time, because it was so new, like nobody had it. So now Tile is probably a really useful geolocation mechanism. But like way back when I remember like I had a Tile and I like lost it like in my room and I was like, well, I'm never going to find it because like nobody else has a tile and like it's not if the battery probably died because the battery life was also like really bad. But Apple definitely copied that idea from Tile and then they had an advantage because instead of needing a certain app, they were just able to ride the entire Apple ecosystem by default, which is like billions of devices. <laughs> yeah, they absolutely blew the competition out of the water in that case because instead of buying a specific mechanism for it, you can leverage the entire vast Apple empire. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that we all live under. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And even now, like somebody could even use like, I mean, they could put a phone in your pocket to track you, which like sounds like not a big deal. But like the latest iOS updates have made it so when you turn your phone off, it's not actually fully powered off, but still has some capabilities, which includes Bluetooth. So if I was a a bad person, I could just put my phone in your purse and then I can go on my laptop and use Find My and use that as like a quote air tag. So what are the trade-offs? Because a lot of times I know why they have this level of detail with geolocation and the ability to find you is because people use it for emergency situations, right? Like my Apple Watch has like an emergency SOS. So if I'm on a jog and I get hurt and I don't have my phone, then someone can find me. So do you think that the benefits of that outweigh the cost of stalking or like the risks of stalking? Honestly, I feel like that's a really tough question. Like part of it, part of me is like, I'm I'm like you where I'm like, oh yeah, I lose myself all the time. And like, I want to put an air tag on my dog's collar, like just in case. And so I really like the aspect of personal safety and being able to find things that I've lost. But sometimes it is like at what cost? So Apple, in my opinion, needs to do a better job making it so that unregistered or like non-Apple devices can't just like hop on the Find My Network and leverage their network. They obviously can't affect like tiles and like other trackers that are out there because there's some GPS trackers out there that people can buy on Amazon and things like that. But I do think that each individual company kind of has a responsibility to make sure that their specific technology isn't being leveraged for something bad. So it's like the technology is great. And this happens so many times when it comes to technologies, like they're just really, really focused on building yeah, and then like the dream and the vision. And they don't really shore up the security issues until like it becomes like an insurmountable problem. Exactly. Um, <laughs> this is why we can't have nice things because people always go and freaking ruin. Yeah. So it's like, that's always the danger and like benefit benefit slash danger of any new technology is like increased opportunity, but that opportunity also includes the bad 
folks that can figure out a way to exploit it. And that just is, that's with any type of technology. So, I mean, in general, do you think there's like a limitation of the tech industry? I guess you, you work in, you know, in cybersecurity. So like one of the things that we notice is that it's because a lot of times men just don't necessarily conceptualize how bad the problem is with men trying to do horrible things to women. So they don't take it seriously until it's like a massive political issue because there's a big case in the news or enough women start to complain. You think it's just like an oversight on their part? I think it kind of is like I noticed I read an article about one tech company years ago where somebody was complaining that as an engineer, like working on a project, spending time finding bugs in other people's code and fixing things that were broken and optimizing things really wasn't given as much weight as just like building something new, even if it sucked. So that might kind of a Silicon Valley cultural thing. I think it's a research thing in general. Yeah, actually, that actually happened to us now that I'm thinking about it because we figured out all this AirTag stuff and some other random blog like they actually published their code to make a fake AirTag and like published a blog about it and we were like what are you doing like why would you enable attackers like we have we've published only our papers but not actually our code because we don't want to enable stalkers and abusers to do these nefarious things. We publish our paper, but then we also don't publish for like a really long time because we do responsible disclosure to Apple so that Apple can fix it. Meanwhile, this blog just like publishes their code and I'm like, what are you doing? Like, that's so irresponsible. I do remember fairly recently a dating app startup that worked basically, I think, with geolocation where it would track if somebody on their app was near you. Oh, no. Yeah, right. Exactly. So I think they tanked, if I'm not mistaken, because literally everyone was like, this is the most horrible idea you've ever thought of, like because of the security risk. No, because Christine, Christine and I were just talking about this. Yeah, because I was like, we should talk about this on our episode. So I tried, I like tried like all the dating apps, I think, except for like one, because I like, I knew someone that worked there and I was like, I don't like them. They have bad relationships. They make bad relationship choices. So I don't trust their algorithm. I don't know. Maybe that's petty. (laughs) But I tried this one and I like tried it for like a day or two. And then I was like, this is stupid because it was a geolocation thing. And you're supposed to set a radius around your house so that it's supposed to be like, ideally, oh, you and this person go to the same coffee shop, like you have similar interests or like you both work out at like this gym, like you have similar interests or whatever. And instead I was like only getting hits, like basically at my apartment. And I was like, okay, obviously this person like is my neighbor. Like, no. (laughs) (laughs) It was like probably during COVID, right? So everyone was staying home. Yeah, exactly. It was during COVID. And I was like, you know what? Like, this just seems like hot mess express and I don't want to get on. (laughs) hot mess express. Yeah. Cause it's like, how do you turn it off? Right. I guess you could try to block them, but then again, that person's going to know where you live or like about where you are before you get around to blocking them. So it just, it does come across like, okay, this is only the type of technology that someone who's never been a woman who tried to date on a dating app would come up with because like none of us want anybody, especially if you have a bad date, we do not want that person to be able to track you in any way, shape or form. Like if so many like personal security protocols that we all enact to make sure that, that we're safe on a date, but also that anybody can't follow us. And this app is just like, yeah, forget all that. Like we're going to make you, we're going to try to connect you with guys in your area. And like, ew, I hate the guys in my area. <laughs> well, with that one too, it's like you don't swipe, like you can see this, all these pop-ups before you even swipe. So like somebody could see my picture and be like, oh, they haven't swiped on me. And then like see me in the hallway, like that's bizarre. So I was like, this is not a good idea. 
the whole premise of that just seems like a stalker invented it. It's Probably, yeah. It's like a creepy man who wanted to stalk people. It's like, damn, and you know, there's no dating apps that make it really easy for me to stalk people. <laughs> or stalk women, specifically. I should admit this, and then stalk women with this. Like, <laughs> It was supposed to be like a misconnections app, too. Because like, you remember the misconnections area of Craigslist where a lot of people would post like, oh, I saw you on the train, and I did get to talk to you. So I remember it was there was something like that where the guy's thought process was like, we'll never have misconnections again, right? And I'm like, half those misconnections are just some creepy guy staring at a woman on a train and like freaking her out, right? Like like having a whole dialogue in his head. <laughs> it's <And> a feature. <laughs> yeah. If you give those guys power, they're going to come find you and we don't want them to find us. <laughs> yeah, we don't want this. No. Yeah, a lot of these misconnections are just like, yeah, man wanted to uh, hit on a girl or didn't have the confidence to do it. And then he's like, okay, I'm just gonna use this app to go, uh, you know, or use this function to go find them, you know, so it's like, yeah, maybe we didn't want you to connect with us. Okay, that's why we didn't talk to you. Oh, yeah. I had a, a misconnection at work in the elevator. Christine. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, this is what happened. <laughs> so I was in the elevator and I got to work at like seven. And this guy was like, oh, it's like one of the benefits of getting in early is that you get like good parking or something. And I've met you. And I was like, all right, it's a little weird. And then I guess he read my name off my badge because then when I got to my office, I had an email from him. And he was like, Hey, it was like great talking to you in the elevator. And I'm like, this conversation was probably like maybe five minutes. It was really weird to me. And I just didn't respond. Cause I was like, I've, I've shit to do. <laughs> I don't really want to talk to people that I <laughs> met in the elevator. And then he's like, maybe you can tell me about your job. And I'm like, I don't have time to talk to you about my job. I just didn't respond. It was, I thought it was really weird. I was like, why would you read my name? Like off my badge and then send me an email? Like, is that not weird? He's being alpha. No, I mean, not even no joke. Like sometimes the tips that these guys get from these dating gurus and how to approach women, cold approach women, it, that sounds like that. It's just stalking. Yeah. It sounds exactly like <laughs> what that's he's doing. Like read her name tag so she feels like a sense of familiarity, right? Like all these things that they in their mind think is like assertive, assertive behavior that they think is going to make women attracted to them, but just comes across stalkery and weird most of the time in real life. That's what that is. Because we've noticed one of the things we rail against here is like the uptick of those guys in real life because they're getting tips from these like weirdos online and then trying to enact it in real life and they're just creeping us all out. So It's kind of how like, you know, the whole idea of like the one that got away is something that only really exists for men. Like because women we don't have like an idea of like a man or like uh, you know the one that got away it's always like the psycho ex that i ran away from kind of thing right <laughs> like you know the man is like oh she's the one that got away and we're like oh i had to run away <laughs> i survived i got out of it yeah i got out of it yeah and so for him it's like oh it's a misconnection and for us it's like nearly escaped <laughs> you know <laughs> maybe he read one of those productivity gurus like never eat lunch alone you know and he was just trying to form a connection <laughs> you never know I think I had like a lunch pre-COVID. I think they had like a lunch thing. I don't know. There's definitely like employee resource group. There's ways to meet people at work, not in the elevator. I don't know. Maybe I'm just, <laughs> maybe I'm just being mean. I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. No, no, it's weird because you can't go anywhere, right? And so you just are forced to talk to that weirdo. It's very intrusive. Yeah. I think like, because they can look up your office and stuff, like once they know your name. And I'm like, I had a pretty firm like don't date co-workers policy because I saw it go like really negatively one time at one of my old jobs for somebody else so I was pretty pretty firm about that even like my current boyfriend uh we met at work but I was like we can't date if you want to date and we both work here <laughs> and so then he quit not enough room in this town for both of us it can just go it can go so badly and I saw it go really really badly uh for somebody at a job that I was at and 
after that, I was like, you know what? There's enough men in the world that I don't have to find one who's in my job. Yeah. I don't know if like, you shared this publicly about the same, you were kind of the same deal with your boyfriend, right? Yeah. I have basically like a, I don't date coworkers policy and just basically made my current boyfriend who I met at work, like jump through hoops for like three years until I find him was like, okay, okay. I like this one now. <laughs> Oh yeah, I remember you mentioned this on one episode and I was like, oh, we can bond over this. I was actually really good friends with my boyfriend before we started dating and he like sent me flowers for a couple months and I just kind of like ignored it. And I think I even said something like, oh, you're such a good friend and like tried to friend zone him, but we were like very good friends. So I just like, cause yeah, I, I didn't want to date a coworker. I mean, I must admit, like, there was chemistry with me and him before, and even other people noticed it. And so, and I was just like, oh no, I don't date coworkers. And like, just even after we no longer worked at the same place, and like with, you know, the pandemic, everyone's working from home anyways, right? But I just wanted to stay friends with him for a while. And then, and then he, you know, won me over. He, he swept me on my feet eventually, but it takes a while to, it, it takes a while for me to warm up to, and trust men, especially. Same. No, I'm the exact same way. I totally get that. And he gets that too, actually. And th- that's the thing, like that actually was what kind of made me like him was like, you know, I think it's really hot when men respect my boundaries. And when he respected my boundaries, I was like, that's hot. Like, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. But anyways, so I don't know, Ro, did you have any other questions about like the stalking or about... Well, did we go through all the solutions you guys wanted to get through about how to protect ourselves? Because that was the talking point five. So we had the tracking app, the, the app that can show the track, the things that are tracking you. Yeah, honestly, I think that's really our main solution. If you have an iPhone, keep it up to date so that you get the latest anti-tracking algorithm from Apple. And if you have an Android phone, download AirGuard. It's free in the app store. And if there's any updates download the update. I think from a cyber security perspective, staying up to date is probably one of the best ways to protect yourself just in general, because you get like the latest and greatest of whatever the algorithm is and maybe things have been patched that were broken. Cool. Thanks, ladies. So you will be launching your Her Hacks podcast early next year? So we're going to launch in October. Projected. Yeah. (laughs) Fingers crossed. Cool. So where can people find you in the meantime, if they just want to follow you or... We're on Twitter. We're also, for some reason, we're on Instagram. So it's just like at Her Hacks Podcast. Yeah. You can find us yeah, on Twitter, Instagram, yeah, all social media platforms. And then we, we have a website as well. HerHacksPodcast.com. Cool. So we're really excited. We're looking forward to hearing what you guys have to say. Because this is a really like, this is a really important field of interest, especially for women, because of the fact that there's so much technology out there. It's hard to wade through it. It's hard to understand like what the risks are whenever you use it. And some of the jargon I think is difficult for people to grasp, even if, if they do get the information. So we're really looking forward to hearing this. So thanks for reaching out to us because I think this would be such a great synergy between what we do and what you guys do. So thank you guys for fighting the good fight in cybersecurity. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for reaching out to us. That was awesome. It's a thankless job. (laughs) (laughs) We're starting to see that. Yeah. (laughs) Well, we are now grateful. Like you're raising our awareness so that we can now be more grateful. So thank you. Awesome. Cool. So that's our show. You can find us on Twitter at femdatstrat and on Instagram at underscore the female dating strategy and on our website. If you want to talk about this episode at www.thefemaledatingstrategy.com. And if you want to listen to weekly bonus content, go to patreon.com forward slash the female dating strategy. Thanks for listening, Queens. And for all you stalker scrotes out there, Rebecca and Christine are on the case. Die mad. <laughs> <laughs> See you next week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> See you next week, guys. 